Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. What do you attribute, like, the dip in the market? It seems like it's all over the economy, but it's also in cards, too. There's not as much activity. Is it part of the COVID market correction or is it the mergers and acquisitions that are going on because it seems like a lot of card shops and owners and dealers are worried about what's gonna come i think things did get really extra hot through the covid certainly at the height of the pandemic was a boon to collectors but now we're looking at an economy where stocks and bonds and almost everything else is down Mm. always try to say that the card market the sports cards and even trading cards in general Just like the stock market, there's sectors. It's rare that every sector is down. Investors are looking for which sector is going to be hot next quarter or next Mm -hmm. month. Where should I invest right now? I think sports card and trading card collectors are doing that too. They're looking for the next thing because basketball especially was perceived as being bid up uh, pretty high relatively. That's the same thing stock market investors do. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people that complain about the stock market, but there's not as many that totally get out. They move their money around in there to with something. And you shouldn't just move it down just because something went down because it could bounce back up because everything went down you know, in the stock market. Mm. And that's what card collectors need to be saying is that if there's a general decrease, especially of cards that had dramatically increased <laughs> over the last couple of years. And so they've gone down to prices and values that are still way more than they would have been three years ago, Mm. then it's only a problem for the people that bought at the peak. But that happens in the stock market too. If you bought at the peak of the stock market, then you're feeling pretty stupid right now because you've lost 20%. But some of those same stocks that lost, they're not all going to bounce back. But the one of them that have real value, just like some of the players and sets where the supply and demand is well understood, I think a bunch of them will bounce back. But not everything. If it was everything, that would be deterministic and systematic. And that'd be fun if you were in the know. But I was in a great position to see so much. And I couldn't know everything. Our job was to figure out what are cards selling for right now. In my mind, I said, I think this is still going to go up. But I didn't publish that because the price guides are for the month or for the year. This is what the card is Mm -hmm. selling for right now. Uh, But every dealer, every collector... I think ought to be thinking, what do I think the future value of this card is? And you should sell if you think the future value is lower and you don't have a sentimental attachment. And you should buy if you think the future value is going to be more, if that's the way you want to do your hobby. Yeah. But it requires predicting the future and people can't do it perfectly for the stock market. So no one can do it here either. Unless somebody is an enduring superstar, their demand is not going to continue to increase. When we were getting price information, there were optimists and pessimists. (laughs) And I tried to cut through that by just saying, look, I know you think it's going down or you think it's going up, but what is it right now? (laughs) That was the operative question for me back in the 70s and 80s. What's it going for right now? But if you're an investor or a hobbyist, you still need to be thinking, what's it going to be in the future? If it's a popular player that's going to increase in popularity, I like the chances. That's a lot to digest there. What's your background? Because you're asking me some provocative questions, but what is your background that makes you come at these things in a certain way? My education is in music. 
I'm a composer aspiring and my master's degree is in music industry administration. I think math and music are connected. I think people wrongly think that music is just uh, the free spirits. It's just kind of, and really, I think there's some structure there. It's not purely mathematical, but there's some rules of what is usually done. Back when I got started, it's an unstructured hobby, like a, a symphony without a conductor. I'm not saying I was the conductor, but I tried to provide some reasonable music that people could say, okay, for example, the, these are fair trade values for these disparate cards in different sets, different players, and here are the relative values of how this can all work together. So I think there's some parallels to music. Uh, a lot of collectors love music, for sure. There's a couple of musicians that are collectors. Okay, he has his own company with the MetaZoo. And Drake was the guy that got the logo man. He was ripping like millions of dollars worth of flawless trying to find that thing too. There's a whole bunch of people from different walks of life find value in these things. Just like music, you can enjoy music on several levels. You can enjoy it on a professional level, like you're saying about Steve Aoki or Drake. They can enjoy it on a much higher level, the music and cards, because their success has afforded them that opportunity. But just like you can enjoy music without spending a lot of money, you can enjoy card collecting without spending a lot of money too. And you can enjoy it. Then you can move up in your appreciation and understanding of music. And you can move up in your appreciation and understanding of uh, card collecting and buying and selling. Yeah, I agree. I think I would say to beginning collectors is to go for stuff that is not expensive. Don't spend all your money trying to get some of these cards when you don't know what they are. You know, take the time to see which ones you even like. And what, where you want to put your money, because it's your money, it's your hard-earned money. So People don't want to hear that, because they're saying, yeah, you're saying that because you want those cards. <laughs> because they're reading the headlines, and they just think that they want to participate in the breaks that have the potential for huge cards. I understand that. Nobody likes to think, and just like basketball players, nobody wants to start in the G League. <laughs> in baseball, nobody wants to start in the minor leagues. They want to get drafted and go straight to the starting lineup. And that very rarely happens. That's, but funny. that's what they aspire to. So with card collecting, to suggest that somebody's got to start in the G League is an insult to them. They ought to take it as wise advice. But they think, no, you want all the glory in the NBA and you want me to go play in Europe for a while you know, or something. I want the glory. And the glory comes with the big cards that I either traded for it, bought it or got it in a break. I think you're touching on something that is really a prevalent issue in America. It's a very narcissistic kind of thinking to want to be on top before you even start. Because all the work that the people that are there did in the first place to get to that point. And look, uh, narcissism can be, look at me. Keep looking at me. Look at me. But now it's, you just look at my card. But the card is an alter ego. It's an avatar almost. It's an extension of them. Yeah. So it's human nature to want that, but it winds up encouraging a very self-centered me culture, which is not healthy in the long run. You know, if I said, hey, I've got a school here, a preparatory class for three months, and at the end of three months, you're going to be able to buy and sell with the best of them. You know what they'd say? Three months is too long. (laughs) (laughs) They'd say, you do it in three days. And I said, well, you wouldn't know that much in three days. Yeah, but I I want to get going. So we also live in an impatient society what have you done lately so if you said i will teach you everything i know but it's going to take three months they push back too long you give them an inch you want they want a mile they want the mile that's funny i would say participating in certain breaks is probably 
equal to going to Las Vegas. You're probably going to lose, but you might win. You're going to hear more about the winners than the losers. Occasionally, you're going to hear about some big winners. And I bet it's equivalent fun to spend a weekend in Vegas or spend a weekend at a card show or, or participating in breaks or something. If it was the same amount of money, I think it's similar enjoyment. But Las Vegas is long odds, too. It's like being at the craps table. And most people are not going to win. In fact, the longer you stay, that's what's different about card collecting, is that the longer you stay at card collecting, I believe the better you will get. You will learn from your mistakes. And so if you keep at it, whereas Las Vegas, you can get better at blackjack, you know, because you, you refine your technique. But most of the casino games, they're just luck. It's really luck. And card collecting, eventually, if you get enough knowledge, I think it becomes more skill. But like we're saying, that first three months, uh, probably pretty much luck because you don't have a lot of skill yet. And I want to learn, just like everybody says, I want to learn from other people's mistakes. I don't want to learn from my own mistakes. I don't want to make mistakes. I want to observe other people's mistakes and say, I don't want to do that. But I, I'm not going to fall in that trap. Yeah. And yeah, no one really wants to make mistakes, but I think that's part of the learning process that people are afraid of. I've made some mistakes. I'm trying to get this business started and I had the wrong comps for cards and my thing wasn't set up right for shipping. And now I have it right where it's free shipping for everyone and makes it easy for people to buy from me. You want to avoid catastrophic mistakes. I'm old now, so I meet with younger guys and I say, don't expect to go through life undefeated. But you're a winner, which means you're going to win more than you're going to lose. But you don't want to have expensive losses. You want to continue playing to win, knowing that you're not going to win everything you do. But you can't go to Vegas and your first bet put all your money on one thing and then you just miss. And then what do you do the rest of the weekend? Look for free food or something. But like I said, I think the hobby is great because you can participate at any level. And Las Vegas has figured that out too, because you can go to a dollar poker table or a $10, a $100. There's all different levels for what your risk tolerance is. And the same thing with cards. You can buy $10 cards or $100 cards or $10,000 cards. I just start at the high end. On the other hand, if you're a multimillionaire, then buying $10,000 cards is not a big deal. There ought to be some relationship between the sandbox you're playing in, your either net worth or your investable net worth or your family situation. If you're single, that's different than if you've got five kids. And then you're in proportion. You've got a, a big car payment and a big mortgage payment, and you got a lot of debt. Just I don't think cards are the way to dig out of it, or at least not with the swinging for the fences. If you, if you pay your dues in this industry, in this hobby, I think you can build a great reputation and have a steady income, you know, because you're making deals and you're improving as you go. You have more relationships, more sources to get cards. Because I think when you come in, you don't know where to get the cards, buy collections or buy into things, which breakers are better than others and all that stuff. In the old days, people, there were a lot of just buy and hold and never sell people. They might trade a little bit, but they never sold cards back in the seventies. They just would buy, but it wasn't that much money. Now, a lot of people, even though they don't get in it with an idea of selling, they get to a point where they want something they can't afford. And they realize they have currency to sell or trade what they have in their collection that they no longer are passionate about. They'd rather have this other thing. A good deal is not a good deal if you don't have an exit possibility. That's like organizing and planning. And just like with any portfolio and forecasting out into the future and having long investments as opposed to short-term, quick flipping kind of things. It's a different mindset for those two perspectives and in between for however you want to add value to your collection or wealth generation. It's more like a pastime and various reasons 
why someone would want to choose to have that in their life. Well, is it so bad if you just broke even? (laughs) If you had this great time on the weekend, if you went to Vegas and enjoyed the thrill of the gambling, and every time you came back even, you would have had a great vacation. I agree. And so people, if they think of it that way, they're going to a card show, they're around a bunch of people that they enjoy being with, talking about things they like to talk about. And if they broke even, then what's so bad about that? Now, in fact, it's pretty hard to break even. Historically, Generally, you would have made money. Now, the last year, if you bought at the peak, you didn't. But that was pretty unprecedented. But then that was preceded by a run-up that was unprecedented. Almost anything you would have invested it in early 2021, sports cards beat them all. But then in 2022, everything went down mid-year or so. Including cards, not everything, because there were some cards that also got hot. There's still some record prices, things that are selling well. But people have hesitation, heartburn, because all of a sudden it's not the hockey stick kind of growth where it's onward and upward to the right. And uh, and it makes them think, well, wait a minute, I can't just buy anything and think I'm going to double my money next year. I've got to have some wisdom. In 2020 and 2021, they were thinking, I can buy anything because it's going to go up. They were doing all these comparisons, comparing to comps that were already pretty outrageous. They were comparing to world record price comps. So then everything else looks good. But not everything goes up at the same rate. I've told people, look for something that's not being hyped, something that hasn't gone up yet, maybe that didn't go up. But then you've got to know you don't want it to be the reason that it didn't go up is because it's a dog. You have to know, is this something that could have an increase in demand worldwide? Is there something where this could really catch on? They've already done that with soccer. So to me, that's healthy. I don't know that we're ever going to run out of alternatives because they keep coming up with new concepts of of cards and memorabilia and stuff that people are going to want to always be thinking of what's the next thing. Yeah. And then at some point, baseball will look cheap or basketball will look cheap. Triple logo, man, notwithstanding, when you're talking about enough money to buy serious other stuff homes and cars and you can fund businesses all kinds of stuff you could do with that kind of money 